This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. Hello, hope you're doing well and have a nice weekend ahead. It's Friday the 25th of November. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. We start with the top story on our website. A Sevenoaks man who attacked a woman and claimed she injured herself has been sent to prison. Scott Shipwright from Stone Street punched and strangled his on-off girlfriend after returning home from a trip to the pub with friends in May. To talk more about this, I'm joined by our court reporter, Sean Axtell. So, Sean, a shocking attack. Tell us more about what happened. Well, the pair returned to Shipwright's Stone Street home after a night out at the Weatherspoons pub in Seven Oaks when he suddenly turned vicious. During a row, he delivered a sustained beating while repeatedly telling his terrifying This wasn't victim the first time he he'd been convicted, was her. it? In fact, he told her the facial injuries that she had sustained only moments before had been a result of her injuring herself. And during the trial, the 48-year-old tried to claim his former partner did all this to herself. Is that right? Yes, he did. Shipwright told jurors her cuts and bruises must have appeared because she self-harmed or walked into a doorframe while he wasn't around. But the prosecution labelled Shipwright a bully towards women, and the jury convicted him of occasioning actual bodily harm by a majority verdict of 11 to 1. And I must just quickly say at this point, he he was also cleared of making threats to kill. This wasn't the first time he'd been convicted, was it? He has convictions. They're comparatively lower level offences compared to what we tend to see here at Crown Court. But they're serious crimes and they're relevant to this latest offence. Jurors heard during the trial that Shipwright had two previous convictions for battery against an ex-wife. Battery against a man who she was with at the time, alongside using threatening language. So what was the sentencing this time and what did the judge have to say about his actions? Handing down three years custody in a five-year restraining order, Judge Simon Taylor Casey told Shipwright, You blamed her. You said, I didn't do this. You did. You did it to yourself. Whether this was an attempt of gaslighting or you wanted her to know who was in charge, I conclude this was you trying to dominate your victim. Thanks for those details, Sean. Kent Online reports. Our other top stories now. A man's been arrested after a stabbing in Canterbury. Police were called to the King Street area last night after violence broke out between a group who all knew each other. A 22-year-old is in custody. The victim's injuries are not thought to be serious. Meanwhile, it's emerged a man who died at a pub in Mepham was stabbed in the stomach. 35-year-old Craig Allen from Marden was killed at the Cricketers Inn on Rootham Road earlier this month. An inquest into his death has been opened and adjourned until next April. A second man was taken to hospital with serious injuries and a 29-year-old has been charged with his attempted murder. More than 140,000 asylum seekers are now waiting for the government to make a decision about their claim. The backlog has risen by 20,000 in the space of three months, with most people waiting over six months for their case to be processed. 
Home Office say they're working to speed things up, as many of those who cross the channel to Kent in small boats are having to stay in hotels. Now, a farmer in Rochester has turned his land into a habitat to support local wildlife. Inspired by the driest summer on record, Alex Bates has been working with the RSPB and environmental consultants EPR to create 80 hectares of wetland. Once finished, it will benefit wildlife across the wider Thames estuary and marshes. Mr Bates has been chatting with Nicolette and says he's working to turn back the clock. 40 years ago, when I was a kid growing up in the marshes, we had lots of birds everywhere, and now we don't. Um, so it's basically just turning back the clock 40 years so we can have back what we had then. And how concerned are you with, with climate change and the effect we're seeing? You mentioned there the, the lack of birds. I mean, it, it must be something as a farmer, you're out every day, you see the land and how it's changing. How much of an impact is it having? Well, lots. We've had a really dry summer this summer that's dried everything up. And all of a sudden it's really wet down there. So we've gone from one extreme to the other. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the dryness scares away the birds just as much as the dampness does. If we can't keep the water, the birds will not come back. So the project is to keep the water on site so the birds have breeding grounds, feeding grounds, everything, which, you know, 40 years ago we used to have seasons like summer, autumn, spring, winter. Now we don't, and they've moved forward sort of three months so it's trying to get everything back to harmony so all the birds basically come back and the wildlife does. I'm sure um, you would, well, I mean, I think it sounds really inspirational. I'm sure you'd like other farmers to kind of follow suit. Is it the sort of thing that you think other people could could do to, to as you say, turn back the clock and, and help out nature? Definitely. It, it needs more people on board. There's very few people doing it. The RSPB are one of the big contributors contributors to the these projects but myself as a private farmer and others it just needs more people doing it it's 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 rewilding but in a nature way purely for the for the wildlife not like the flowers and else like that so we're lots of people rewilding for flowers and wild species that help the insects we're doing it for not only the insects for the birds and everything else like that it's taking rewilding to the next level. Um, I was quite a big fan of Clarkson's farm on the telly. I don't know if you got to see it, but he was doing quite a, a big project and a, a similar sort of thing. Do you think that perhaps people who watch that have become a bit more aware of the challenges that farmers are facing and also what they need to do to, to rewild areas of land and, and give nature a, a helping hand, as it were? I think Clarkson's put it out into the main media stream how hard it actually is for farming. It's not just sit in a tractor, plough field, get money. Because we're very weather orientated and nature, and there's so much stuff against us actually farming. It's not as easy as it used to be. Uh, and Clarkson's just put it out there in the mainstream media so people can actually see how hard it is to do it. And does it impact on you financially at all, positively or, or negatively? I mean, is there another incentive as well to be to be doing this sort of thing? In the finance side, it's negative for the amount of money we have to spend doing it, but it's positive because the way the government are working all their schemes now, they're changing everything. Um, so when the new schemes come out, if you're helping nature and wildlife, you will get better payments. So, again, it's a sort of a win-win situation. You're helping wildlife out. And as a business side of it, you're helping yourself out.
Meanwhile, dozens of schemes by schools across Kent and Medway have been recognised in this year's Green School Awards. The seventh annual awards, organised by the KM charity team, has looked at the efforts made by students, staff and volunteers to make a difference to our environment. Helen Caithness is from Chantry Community Academy in Gravesend. We have been given an Environment and Sustainability Award for the uh, wellbeing allotment that we've created from Wasteland in our in a corner of our school grounds. Uh, We had a new building a couple of years ago and there was a patch of tarmac left um, that was just going to waste. So I was challenged to turn that into an area where the children and the staff could go and relax and enjoy and being out in nature and phase one of that project was to turn to make an allotment so that we could grow our own food and the children could grow their own food and eat their own food so how challenging was it because as you say it was literally just a bit of barren land wasn't it you had to literally start from scratch we had absolutely nothing i've i'm no gardening experience at all so that was the first challenge i was leading children who were expecting me to be the expert i wasn't an expert um i know a lot more now i we had a small budget but it really wasn't going to do very much and i soon realized that i needed to spend all of it on soil because we couldn't dig down so we had to buy in all the all this topsoil and compost uh we have a lot of visiting cats and a fox who come in every single night and dig holes and use it as a bathroom and um in the end the fox made a a bed in one of our uh, one of our um, our wheat field <laughs> so that ruined that crop um, we had dreadful weather we had really bad storms in the early part of the year and and then we uh, had obviously the heat wave and a hose pipe ban at the, <laughs> during the summer so we were fighting with that uh, we also had a lot of staff sickness uh, during, the, during the winter months as so many schools have had with Covid and just wasn't the time to get out into the garden so and you need to go out every day and weed and plant and water and we just weren't able to do that for huge chunks of time so lots of challenges but so rewarding when we get the children out there yeah i've seen we've seen today some pictures of it it looks absolutely wonderful what has it done for the children do you think um so much they love being outside being outside and some children who struggle academically suddenly find their strength they i've had children who've helped me to build raised beds you know they've been using hammers and nails and 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 lining the beds and filling the beds and even just pushing a wheelbarrow they're being able to show strengths that maybe they don't see in the classroom um they absolutely love being able to take food home at the end of the day of course um it's a chance for them to work as an equal with adults. As I say, I'm a beginner gardener too, so we were looking up what we had to, to do each month and then trying to find the time to do it. Um, and they, they want to stay after school. have got children who stay. <laughs> I don't want to go home. Can I just stay for 10 minutes and come in the garden? Which is lovely that they want to be here and learning. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A pub near Maidstone is being investigated over animal welfare concerns. The Bull Inn on Lower Road in East Farley had a petting zoo with ponies, goats, ducks and rabbits. The pub's been closed for several weeks and officers visited last Thursday following concerns from neighbours. They've confirmed the only animals there were fish in a pond. Two expensive delis that opened in former Rooks Butchers shops in Maystone and Sittingbourne are closing. 
PNR Italians say they can't continue trading as the businesses weren't making enough money to pay the bills. However, their branch in Tunbridge Wells will stay open. Controversial plans for another Audi store in Ashford have been given the go-ahead. It will be on the Waterbrook Park estate in the Sevington part of town. The plans have been approved despite concerns about traffic. We don't know yet when it will open. Now, with many of us looking for a bargain on Black Friday, the Kent Online podcast been told it's more important than ever to shop local. Many independent businesses in the county are struggling amid high inflation. Food and drink champion produced in Kent is urging people to support them and boost the local economy. I've been chatting with their chief exec, Florja Huta. I think it's extremely important that we don't overlook them. Uh, they're working very, very hard at the moment and are going through a, a very tough time. Uh, producing Kent is, is representing food and drink businesses in local independent food and drink businesses in Kent and Medway. Um, and, and they have a lot of challenges uh, they have to uh, grapple with at the moment. I mean, um, COVID, uh, Brexit, uh, the war in Ukraine has all uh, led to an increase in production costs. Uh, just, yeah, we all know about the energy prices, fuel prices, uh, but also a lot of ingredients and, and, and uh, raw product has gone up in price. Um, and at the same time, we're you know in a in a cost of living crisis with people spending less. Um, so it's 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 tough for small businesses to survive and um, yeah um, make enough money to cover all those costs. So it's more important than ever that we support them. Uh, don't forget that you know when you spend local, you put money back into the local economy directly. You help um, secure employment. You help look after the countryside. A lot of our businesses are very passionate about uh, the products that they make and the, and the impact that those products have on the environment and they do the best they can. Um, you also help to maintain the beautiful character of our, of our county. Um, so there's lots of reasons why you should support local. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you touch on obviously more important than ever. And at this particular time in the run up to Christmas, the festive season, when for local independents in particular, there's a lot of reliance on this period of the year to make up most of their profit. So this is a particularly key time as well, isn't it, that we, we need to support local trade? Yeah, and there's a loads of things in which you can, you know, you, you can go to uh, obviously your local farm shop, uh, your local, you know, butcher, local, you know, small independent shops that all sell wonderful Christmas products. Uh, producing Kent has a shop in Blue Water, so please, when when you go there, go and check out our shop. We've got loads of traders in there who also have fantastic products. So, I, just just to give a few examples, there's so many ways in which we can support, and uh, if, if people can support, I, I just urge everyone to um, to make an effort where they can. You think it's easy to forget sometimes that right on our doorstep that we have such fantastic produce, fantastic products that can go overlooked. I think it can be overlooked. And I think we've grown used to go to big chains and, and, and go to big supermarkets to do most of our shopping. And um, I, I think a lot of people for, for good reasons are, are, are looking at price. Uh, but I think, you know, when you shop local, it doesn't always have to be more expensive. And it's also how you how you shop local you know shop consciously look at the product see how you can use the product see make sure you can use all of the product and not end up with any waste um so there's also ways in which you deal with with local produce local products and um yeah i think 
still there's a lot of space for shopping local and it's so important. I can't stress it enough. There are calls for a 100-year-old war memorial in Faversham to be moved. The group who look after the monument want it relocated from Stone Street inside a memorial garden. It's the second time they've put forward the plans, which were rejected in 2016 after dozens of objections. Controls on Pelican crossings in Tunbridge are being stolen and then sold on eBay as doorbells. The crossing on Shibbon Road, which is used by children on the way to and from school, has been targeted several times over the past year. It's cost the council about £32,000 to keep fixing it, with the authority urging drivers to keep an eye out for suspicious behaviour. Meanwhile, drivers reckon a large pothole in a car park in Ashford could cause someone an injury if it isn't fixed soon. The site at Gallagher's Retail Park is prone to flooding and a six-inch deep hole has appeared near the exit. Driver Sue Brown says it's incredibly dangerous. Believe you me, if you stepped in it or cycled over it, you're going to break bones. It's nasty. It's really nasty. They've dug a, a trench to replace some piping and then filled it in with tarmac. And the hole that has happened is at the end of that repair. And that is how potholes happen time and time again. The seam of the tarmac where it's been sealed in, that collapses in. That's always the weakest point of any road surface. And that's exactly what's happened here. We've had a lot of water. This is a floodplain. Just last week, this car park was underwater. That goes into the ground, weakens it, and you get potholes and you can get sinkholes. Now, I don't think there's a sinkhole there now, now that I've looked more, but certainly it's only going to get worse until it gets filled in and a proper job done on it. I took a very quick photo of it and thought, I'm going to find somewhere to put that on Facebook when I get back, just let people know. I was stunned at how many people said, oh yeah, I've, I wonder what it was when I dipped down and oh, that's damaged my alloy and things like that. I was horrified and they were saying it had been here since the summer. You see that obviously someone's probably seen that post on Facebook and thought we need to make an effort to protect people. Um, they've used a disused sign just to cover it over so that people aren't driving directly over it, which is a good thing. But clearly, that's not what needs to be done. It needs to be repaired. You can head to Kent Online to see pictures of it. The owners of the land have been contacted. As a warning not to try and travel by train in Kent tomorrow, Southeastern won't be running any services because of a 24-hour walkout by train drivers, as left members have been involved in a long-running dispute over pay. A Maestro mum and world champion boxer is aiming to break a Guinness world record. Now, probably don't try this at home, but Nicola Island plans to kick more than 59 items off a person's head in just one minute. The 40-year-old's had a successful career in Thai boxing with British, European and world titles under her belt. But on Saturday, she's hoping to bag another win at Ironworks Gym. She'll be kicking boxing gloves off the heads of fellow gym members. Our reporter Juliana Cruz-Lima caught up with her. Trying to get back to the fight training was just too hard with two kids. Um, it doesn't really fit in with our lifestyle and two children um, being tired all the time training twice a day you know I really sort of put the kids first and you know they've got their gym that they like to do gymnastics and things like that so it's like their turn now you know so I was like I still trained high boxing but I just wanted to find a challenge that didn't take up all my time um, and my husband and his marine friend were actually looking at the beginning of the year to do a Guinness World Record, and they was scrolling through all the challenges. And when they came across this high kick challenge, most in a minute, I just thought, I can do that. I know I can do that. And when I watched the video, I was sort of 
it looked really hard, but deep down I knew I could do it. And I thought this is like a really good challenge that I can do while the kids are at school, I can train for it, but it's not going to leave me knackered and, you know, out in the evenings training and things like that. So, yeah, I sort of just started seeing if I could do it really and applied for it. Yeah. And and how is your training then? So how many hours a day do you train? How 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 is your, your practice routine? So it must be six weeks ago, I found out that I'd, it actually been accepted. So before that, I mean, I just do my general training, um, Thai boxing a couple of times a week, a bit of strength training and running now and then. Um, just ticking over so since we found out six weeks ago it's been a lot more revolved around high kicking <laughs> target practice but it's obviously quite hard as well because I haven't got all the people all the time to train with so I've only managed to do two practice practices with the people that I need with all the gloves on their heads and things um, but I'm training at home every day in the week while the kids are at school um, whether it just be target practice or the footwork um, or kicking the pads while my husband holds the pads. So. A new play area is opened in Ashford after a £400,000 upgrade. Central Park in Park Farm has been renovated over the last two months with more equipment still to come. You can see pictures on our website. Now for a roundup of everything that's going on in Kent this weekend that you need to know about, here's our features writer Sam Laurie. Although it's a little cold and dark outside at the moment, there are lots of Christmas activities taking place across the county this weekend to fill you with that warm, fuzzy, festive feeling. This weekend sees the launch of the Marlowe Theatre Panto. This year's Sleeping Beauty stars Strictly Champ Aurea Duba and West End performer Carrie Hope Fletcher, who spoke to us all about her Panto debut. After winning awards for last year's production, expectations and demand is pretty high, but there are still a few tickets left. Keep an eye out for our review of the show next week, and also don't forget to check out our bumper Panto guide on Kent Online to see what's going on near you. If Panto isn't your cup of tea, but you still want to take the family to the theatre this Christmas, we've also shared our pick of Kent's best festive shows. From childhood favourites such as Elf and Nativity, to beautiful ballets and sing-along musicals, there is plenty to choose from, so make sure you read our online guide to find your perfect Christmas show. This weekend also sees the opening of one of Kent's biggest festive markets. The Rochester Christmas Market starts on Saturday and is taking place on weekends leading up to the big day, with lots of outdoor stalls, unique gifts, hot food and drinks and a fun fair. If you're in town on Saturday, you can stick around and see the town's Christmas lights being switched on with our very own KMFM team. And for those of you who want to fill up your Christmas calendars, there are two huge new Christmas events opening this weekend. On Friday, the Christmas at Leeds Castle Light Trail, from the same team behind the sellout Christmas at Bedbury event, makes its debut with more than a million sparkling lights illuminating the castle grounds with installations and decorations. Also, Mission Christmas, an exciting new event at the historic Dockyard Chatham, lets visitors see behind the scenes and find out what goes on inside the dockyard at this time of year for the very first time. Families will be taken on an interactive experience through the site where they can take part in Christmas activities and meet Father Christmas. We're going to be visiting both of these new Christmas events in the coming days to see what they're like, so make sure you keep an eye on what's on on Kent Online to read our reviews. And that's just about it for this week, but the festive days out are coming in thick and fast now, so I'm sure we'll have lots more for you just in time for next weekend. Kent Online Sports.
Football and Gillingham head to non-league Dagenham and Redbridge in the FA Cup this weekend. The Jills made it through to the second round after beating AFC Fylde in a replay. There's actually only 10 places separating the teams in the leagues. Manager Neil Harris has been speaking to our sports reporter Luke Cordell. Hopefully it clicks and, and one, if not two of them, get up and running properly. That must have pleased you quite a lot though on Tuesday night, the fact that there was chances created and you're doing the right things. Um, well, Newport stewing me from eight yards, didn't they? Found the goal with the beat, and Max hit the bar with no goalie. So, <laughs> so it's not like we haven't created chances. Yes, there's been a game where we've been a little bit sterile, I guess. But I think that's like most teams are like that. Um, but if not, we've had chances. We've made chances. We just haven't. We haven't took them in the league. Uh, cut's been different, obviously, um, and I hope that to be the case again, Sally. Hopefully, in the side because like you say, they, they score, they concede as well. They've been involved in some high-scoring games. They, they, they've been like that, yeah. Um, so we've got to make sure the mentality we had Tuesday night to give nothing away is still there. And, and at the top end, come on, fellas, bring your shooting boots, please. And uh, how important for the club financially as well to progress in the cup? You've done one in the Carabao Cup, one game away from potentially a big time. Well, the club have been, you know, we've made a lot of money from the cup so far. FA Cup first round money is good money. Um, Carabao Cup, it's not good prize money. It's terrible prize money. Um, but it's the gate, gate receipts, obviously, um, which are really important for, for us at Brentford and now going to Wolves. Um, Brentford was sold out, Wolves will be sold out. Um, so it's fantastic money. Um, prize money in the FA Cup is outstanding. Um, so um, you know, there's an importance to try and get through in that. But for me, I can't focus on. I have to focus on winning the game against Dagenham for the right reason, for, for my reasons, which is footballing reasons, and the fact I just want to be in that third round draw. And ahead of the game, the Jills have boosted their squad with winger Callum Harriet joining on a short-term deal. He's previously played for Colchester, Reading, and Charlton. Kickoff tomorrow is at the later time of 5 p.m. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also sign up to The Briefing to get a daily update of the top stories each morning. And today, you can read the latest review from our secret drinker. Just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.